Welcome to the Turn Up, Turn Down podcast. My name is John. With me is Eric. How's it going, man? I'm doing good. Awesome. So today we're going to talk about some frequently asked questions that we had. It's, it's over a range of topics. Hopefully you'll find something interesting in here. We'll hit something that you've maybe asked before, and you can learn something. Let's go. All right, let's go ahead and get into it. Eric, when is a mix finished? That's like one of those trick questions that comes <laughs> up. The answer is never. Oh, <laughs> all the time. It kind of is. Uh, you know, a bunch of people say a mix is never finished. It's just done. <laughs> I, no, I, I totally get that. I mean, you can you can always tweak it. You can. All, there's always going to be something that you're going to want to come back and fix later. Yeah. I, for the most part... I kind of feel like it's an emotion. Like if you just, if the song's moving the way you want it to move, you have the impacts when there need to be impacts. The There's energy. You've showcased all the right things in the song. Because um, it's kind of like you have the footprint of the song. Right. The the way it hits you that first time. And everything else is, that's like meat and potatoes, for lack of a better term. Flavor. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. that's that's what it is, and then everything else, the auxiliary stuff is just there, and it's supposed to kind of just keep you interested in between mm-hmm. the lyric and in between that kind of thing. Yep. Um, and so all that is so subjective. <laughs> yeah, I, I find a lot of times when I do a mix that either had to be finished at a certain time for whatever reason, or I thought it was done, and then two days later I listened to it, and I was like, ah, I wish I would have changed that, but it's too late. It's already been, you know, sent off, you know, whatever. Right. I always find that when I come back to that, like two years later, I like it. Yeah, it's, or it's kind just of like an endearing thing that you I forget run, oh, about it. Yeah, it, yeah, you're so into it. You're like, man, that hi hat sounds like 0.8 dB too hot. You know, yep. like something that nobody's ever going to say about it. Yeah, yeah, like all those things, they don't matter, but sometimes they do matter. You know, because because there is that time where that there is that hi hat, and it's at that super high, especially like electronic hi hat. Right, it's that piercing thing, and if you don't have that dialed in exactly right it's going to be really distracting it's going to get in the way of all the sibilance of the vocals and that kind of stuff so so there is you know details matter but it really depends on the impact and i mean that that's i guess that i said it but i already said it you know like that emotion if it's evoking the right emotion um and the big parts of the song that matter are there and it's time to send it on and you know Hopefully, get someone else's take on it, and if and then if the artist or whoever's hiring you says that it's finished, that's then when it's finished. finished. Yep. That's that's exactly when it's finished. <laughs> I, I think a way to to I guess put a bow on that would be when the uh, important parts of a song are right. You know, if yeah. if you if you listen to the tracks and you immediately think the drums are very important in this mix, there's a driving bass part, and this vocal obviously needs to be rock solid right here mm-hmm. but the rest of it is filling around that well you get the important parts right right and then the rest is subjective yeah totally all right uh, go ahead uh the, the the one that comes up even more than that is what's your favorite plug-in people, <laughs> people oh, want to ask that all the time and it's just first of all it changes on a day-to-day basis but I'll, I'll ask you john what's your what are some of your favorite plugins well, there will be a theme in this show where we'll talk about our favorite plugins on more than one episode because <laughs> yeah. they're our favorites. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm always going to talk about the Echo Boy from Sound Toys yeah. and how just awesome it is. 
I'm going to talk about a good reverb, whatever that is for you. Mine is the UAD EMT 140 plate reverb. Yeah. I, I love that reverb. It's put, awesome. it on, put it on a lot of things. It, it's cool because it sounds great on vocals. It sounds great on guitars. You know, you can obviously plates and drums kind of have a thing going on. Um, I, I said obviously. Maybe that's not obvious. I don't know. Um, but it's it's just so smooth sounding. The decay on it is really nice and natural mm. sounding. I, I, I love that reverb a lot. Yeah. For something a little bit outside the box, well... I guess it's in the box since it's a plug-in. <laughs> that was bad. Um, for something that's not, you know, like a typical um, delay, reverb, compressor, EQ, I really love the Sound Toys Decapitator. Oh, yeah. It's a great saturation plug-in. Do a lot of cool stuff with it. So good. It's I, One of the things I like to do with it that kind of seems like, why, why are you doing this? But if you've already got some saturated guitars, mm-hmm. it sounds really good on top of those. Totally. It's, it kind of warms them up in a way that's pleasant, gives it some aggression that's not overly harsh. Yeah. Well, like, you're using it kind of as a compressor and EQ at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. The EQ on it is so nice because it's basically just got a knob that says bright or dark. Right. And you just <laughs> turn it which way you want. I love the sound always stuff because it, it feels like a piece of gear. Mm-hmm. It really It doesn't does. feel... Like a plug-in to me. All, right. all their stuff, I, I, I'm pretty sure that was on purpose. Yeah. But, you know, it feels, it looks, and it just kind of, it sounds great, and it just feels like an analog piece of gear to me, which is cool. So. What about you? Uh, we've established that our favorite piece of hard, hardware is the Distressor. Mm. So the uh, the Empirical Labs Arouser, which is the... the uh, plug-in version of it. It's got yeah. it's not an exact replica or, you know, of it's sort of like of an the improved version though, yeah. right? Yeah. It's got um it's got some cool stuff on it that is nerdy and techy. It's kind of one of those things you just you know, sweep around till it sounds good, but it's got a mix knob on it and stuff, but it it sounds great. And uh a lot of times if if I get something to mix, especially a vocal, uh, I just look and I can see that it's super transient and I know that it's like a pop song. It doesn't need to be that. I need to get. I need to squash it a little bit. I'll just open up an audio suite, print it. You oh, know, that's you know, obviously listen to it, dial it in, but yeah. just get it out of the way because it is very processor hungry. So three or four on a session, yeah. all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> it gets down. yeah, it gets kind of bogged down. But that thing's awesome. Um, I I really like the the Wave CLA compressors. They're very good. All, all I think three they're of them. great. Yeah. I think they're every bit as good. Um, as the UAD, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and you can always find them on sale for super cheap. Yeah, um, you get the two different 1176. I love them. Yeah, I use them good. on just about everything. Uh, Do you the, have a favorite between the black and the blue stripe? I use per CLA himself. <laughs> <laughs> he he kind of said it in a demo, and I kind of got stuck in that thing. But uh, the blue stripe on vocals, and then mm-hmm. uh, the black. The black face on um on drums mainly is what I use them on the most. The the blue stripe is good for you can kind of get real aggressive with it. Oh yeah, it, it gets good. sticky. Mm-hmm. It has that. It it sounds like an eleven seventy six to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Those I mean those are Once those are use. good. We've talked about the the Fab Filter EQ. That thing's awesome. Very good. Uh, EQ, the AP, the, yeah. I really like the API EQs also. Mm-hmm. The, the the Waves, waves ones. API yeah. EQs. I think yeah. they sound great. I think they're they have that thing where they're they're not subtle, Mm-mm. you know, and, and uh, 
I like that about them. I think I think they're fun to use. They seem to have good um, EQ points. Like yeah. it's, it's ones that are very usable. Unlike like a 1073. Right. right. <laughs> Which I, it's just, sorry, I, the EQ points. The EQ sounds amazing, but the EQ points aren't aren't my cup of tea usually. Yeah. I do like the uh, Pultec UAD EQ as well. Yeah. It's one of those you can put it on and not really do anything, and it makes it sound better somehow. Absolutely. It's great for that. What are your favorite instruments to record? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> drums. I mean, drums are just fun. They're the mo- uh, you know, it's just it's a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, with a guitar, it's like, okay, there's a 57. Right. You got a good guitar player with great tone. It's like, well, it's cool. That sounds good. Drums, it takes a little more interplay with all the mm-hmm. all the instruments, all the mics, everything. It's just I fun. I feel like I'm doing more when I'm recording drums. So with a guitar, it's like, like you just said, the guy has his tone. All you got to do right. is capture it. But the drums, you've got decisions to make. Where do you put the rooms? Where you know that? How high are the overheads off the cymbals? All all that kind totally. of stuff makes a big difference. And some sometimes you have to do some surgery. You mm-hmm. just have to, you know. And and it's really, it could it, it can be really easy to get bad sounds. Very you know, much. It, so. it can go yeah. south quickly if mm-hmm. if you don't know what you're doing. It's easy to get pumped up about like, oh, that kick drum sounds huge, and then you get it back. Uh, and it's either that or it's uh, it's so big. There's no way it would fit in a mix. Yeah, it's anything like, well, else? In were the there track. any other instruments I was planning on recording, or just yeah. this kick drum? Yeah. And when it comes to recording drums, um, I don't know. Vintage Ludwig. <laughs> just get one. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that. I, I actually um, like a Gretsch US Custom. Mm-hmm. Those those always just translate. Yeah. Great. Uh, they just got enough punch and enough body. Yeah. Obviously. Tuning drums is so 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 important. You can make a a bad kit sound good if it's tuned well for at least a song's worth of time. Sure, you yeah. know. Uh, I, so, I definitely yeah. concur on the vintage Ludwig. I'm lucky enough to have one. True, it's and awesome. it sounds awesome. It has that exact sound. I think that Ludwig in general, even the new kits, um, well, the nicer new ones like the Mabel, right. Mabel Customs, their toms. I'd, I'd rather record Ludwig toms than any other drum. Mm-hmm. They have the the right sound. Yeah, yeah. You know, kick drums can get. It depends on what you want. You know, DW has a cool thing. It's very punchy. Yep. But it's not, in my opinion, not super full all the time. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't work for everything. You know, the same way like a super full kick drum wouldn't work for everything. Right. That's what's kind of fun about drums. Picking the right snare, picking the right kick. You know, well, you can mix and match too. Absolutely. Like you can have modern toms and mm-hmm. and then like a tuned low vintagey kick and snare. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a very unique sound. I've, I've never actually done that, but that mm-hmm. could work. No, for sure. I I find the hardest part about recording drums is cymbals. Sure. Um, if you've got overly bright cymbals in the wrong room, it can be bad. Oh. <laughs> it can be really bad. <laughs> they just never go. They're just everywhere always. I mean, you can't go wrong with like a K-Custom mm-hmm. type thing. Thin, something thin, something big. Yeah. Darker like that. Now, I mean, that might not work for every genre either. I mean, if you're trying to do some sort of, um, I don't know, it's like Celine Dion pop thing, like a traditional pop. Yeah, that big washy symbol isn't gonna work. Right. Sometimes you just need something that goes get fast and get gets out of there. Yeah, I mean, if you not a splash, like, but something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like Vinnie Calyuta using the splash <laughs> symbols on the Sting records. I, yeah. It's the only time I've ever heard a splash symbol. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, it makes perfect sense there. Yeah, it, it it's that kind of pop though. I, I don't know what you'd call that, like traditional adult contemporary. Adult. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It. I like it though. Yeah. It, it's because I'm an adult now. <laughs> <laughs> Adulting. <laughs> Um, when it comes to 
other instruments, what do you, do you have preferences as far as amps that you think record really well or guitars that work for? Yeah, I mean, things? I I love recording guitar, but for me, it's because I'm a guitar player and I like getting the tones. Yeah. If if I'm just engineering something or producing something and I'm not the guitar player, it's not as fun for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I've got a cool band that's willing to experiment with me and not just be married to the sounds they played, you know, in their garage, that part can be fun, finding the right pedals. You know, you've got two guitar players in a band plus your pedals and you're just mixing and matching everybody's stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's super fun. Yeah, the way they feed into each other. Right. And, yeah. I, I would say that I don't have a particular amp that I think records better than other amps, but I, I would say that you've got to record all amps at their sweet spot. Yeah. you got to turn them up a little bit. They don't have to be blaring loud. That's some mistake people make. They turn it up all the way, mm-hmm. and that's too much in some situations. Um, there's very few rooms besides professional studios that can handle you got to find the that. spot where it's compressing a little bit naturally, mm-hmm. but it's not uh, flubbing out. So, right. you know, for a Fender 20-watt, that might be around 4 for a Fender 60 watt, that might be around seven. You right. know, that's too loud to be in the room with it. Sure. Um, for a, a lower headroom amp like a Vox, it's much lower on the dial because they just break up mm-hmm. earlier. But if you get that amp moving, the speaker moving some air, it just sounds great. I, I, I would maybe not as a rule, not a hundred percent of the time, but in general, I'm going to try to record an amp's distortion, its natural distortion. Yeah. Before I start putting pedals in front of it. Yeah. And if I can't get the sound I want from the amp, then I'll try to do what I need to with pedals. But I still lean towards pedals where I can, maybe instead of it's an obvious distortion on top of a clean amp, maybe it's a pedal like a Klon style or a Tube Screamer or something where you can crank the output and boost the amp Mm -hmm. um, and try to get the amp to naturally saturate more. Right. Those are fun. Those are fun things to do. 10-inch, 12-inch speaker. I prefer a 12-inch speaker. A 10-inch can get a little punchy. Unless it's a Princeton. It's like anything else. I mean, you can pretty much get anything out of a Princeton. But yeah, it's like anything else. A 212, preferably closed back. Yeah, I had a a DeVille for years, a Mm 4x10, and it was tricky. Yeah. Because it it can sound in a room pretty full with four 10-inch speakers. Right. But when you stick a mic on it, it can in get... In front of one. Yeah. You know, it, 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 the, sub-mid-range. The, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> the distance between like, oh, that's right, and ugh, it's really close. Right. C- centimeters. You know, totally. That. And uh, yeah, you just got to do a little bit more work. If I'm doing clean guitars, I won't, I won't mind a 10-inch speaker. Yeah. It can, it can be good for that. Totally. I will, I will say one trick that I've learned over the years is that the best way to record a clean guitar is for it not to actually be clean. Right, right. <laughs> you know, like, t- t- put your favorite distortion pedal in it and turn it down to where you can't hear the pedal anymore, and it's going to saturate it a little bit and just give mm-hmm. it some weight, but it'll still sound clean Right on the on the recording. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't know this for years, but a lot of the best Jimi Hendrix tones, like, you know, the clean Strat through the Marshall that everybody loves, he had his fuzz pedal on for half of those, mm. and he just turned his guitar volume down until it cleaned up. Now, that's something that's very specific to the fuzz pedal he was using. It was a germanium fuzz chip that actually gets brighter the less you're putting into it. Interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a really cool thing. So the combination of the bright strat with— Speaks really well, too. Yeah, and a Marshall is just, you know— Has that yeah. built in. <laughs> it's bright. Um, so th- that, that's an interesting concept to play with. Turn, turn your guitar down to get clean instead of turning the amp down. Cool. You got to worry about noise sometimes there, though. Right. So it's kind of sticking in that and— being that you are the guitar player here, um, 
amps versus sims. Sim, you know, amp, recording a real amp versus amp simulation. Let's let's say it. So I I'd, I'd hesitate to give a a um, just flat out no to sims. Personally, I don't like to record a lot of sims. If right. if it's a song where I I just can't get the tone from my traditional setup for like a lead or something like that. Yeah. Totally fine with Sims. You can usually get it. Um, but once you start building a whole track based around Sims, mm -hmm. it lacks some character and some realness. Sure. It starts to feel boxy. Yep. It starts to feel close. Mm -hmm. Even if you've got the room in the Sim turned up, it just, it starts to sound more artificial. There's some frequency somewhere in the mid range that just builds up. Yeah. And, and you can't, now there's some really good Sims out there. Yeah, not all Sims are made equal. Yeah, and and some of them I wouldn't hesitate to play a solo guitar track on it just right. by itself, like the UAD um, 57 Deluxe. Yeah, is a beautiful amp sim. But even that, I don't know that I'd put a ton of them on a track personally, and mm -hmm. that could be user error. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily mean. Right now, there are some exceptions to that rule. I'd say that um, metal amp sims are very part of that sound now. Yeah. Everybody's using an Axe or a Kemper or a Helix or something like that mm -hmm. to get that really saturated tone. I, I saw something on YouTube the other day. Metallica was using the Axe live. They're not even using any real amps. Yeah. Um, and I think that... <laughs> but their front of house dude loves it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, had, they ran it to a cab on stage just so they could have some stage volume so they got... Yeah. So Hetfield could run up and get feedback if he needed it. Gotcha. Um, but the, the sound for that is... is Okay, because that's what everybody's using. Right. And if you're using it, you're going to sound closer to them. It's definitely fun to play around on a sim and try to get tones. Totally. Well, because uh, you might not have the exactly. huge pedal board in front of you to get that exact sound, but they they did that for you, and here is Foxy Lady. Yep. <laughs> Reset number one, and it sounds great. Just yeah. like real amps, I find that sims sound better if you're just using the amps distortion. Mm. If you start using the preset pedals in it, it can start to fall apart pretty quick right. for me. I, or using them in combination still. Use your pedals into a DI, mm -hmm. into an amp. Now, that's going to give you a different sound. The way it goes into the interface and the impedance and all that, it's a little bit different. you mm -hmm. got to definitely play with your output levels. Yeah. But it can for sure be cool, especially if you're doing... I mean, I know I talk about the UAD stuff all the time, but that's what I have. And on the Apollo units, it changes the impedance based on what, how you're plugging into it. Yeah. And so pedals going into the Apollo sound pretty good. Yeah. Um, I'll say one of the th fun things I did was... I watched some videos of people getting good tones on like traditional marshals and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then I copied their settings on my amp sim to see how close it was to the recorded sound they were getting. Yeah. And you can get pretty close. But what, what's cool about it is if you spend some time, let's say like with a Marshall um, Plexi 100 or something like that, sim, trying to just figure out how you can get the best tone for it, even if you're not going to use it on the record, you may not have a chance to ever play with one. But if you do and you're in a tracking session, you're probably going to have a better idea how to get the tone you totally. want pretty quick. It's not going to look completely foreign. Yeah. Kind of like using the SSL channel strip absolutely. plug-in. Mm -hmm. You go to sit in front of an SSL, yeah. lucky enough to, you know, you're going to, oh, okay, this makes sense. Do you like mixing um, amp sims? Um, can you tell if somebody sends you a, a track that has, it's I would not say labeled. I can usually tell. Okay. Uh, there's... It doesn't. It doesn't hurt that they're usually labeled, right? <laughs> like guitar di or something. Yeah. But still, you can usually tell. There's just there's that air. There's just something around it. There's something in. Uh, I feel like 
in the string noise, moving your fingers. There's usually some of you know, mm-hmm. it's it's just different sounding. It just feels di-ish and that kind of thing. Um, so you know, it you can you can make them all work, and you put a little room verb around it or something, mm-hmm. and um. It all it's always helpful if there's layers, you know, to have a real guitar and you're layering it with a with a yeah, with I, a, a simulation. I think I think that can and work that's really great, well. Great. You know, or like doubling your solo with the simulation mm-hmm. just gives it sometimes you don't want that air. You just want that mm-hmm. ex, that exhausting sound of just direct boom. I, I personally don't have a ton of high gain stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I can get pretty close. But a lot yeah, of you just th- show me that video. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. video is pretty impressive. But I can what I can do is I can record my pretty close and then double it with a high gain amp sim yeah. under it. And it sounds pretty good at that point. So like with, you know, there's bass amp simulation as well. I almost always use a bass amp sim. Yeah. It's to me, that's a lot less, uh, apparent. Yeah. It, well, it, there's it, usually it, not as much distortion and stuff. You know, usually you're not yeah. mixing like, I mean, it's it, to me, that's no real difference. I mean, you're probably plugging direct with a bass anyway. Right. And some people have like a sans amp, or uh, I have that little MXR DI, mm-hmm. and it's just a kind of a tone shaping tool. Yeah, and that's how I kind of view amp sims for bass. Yeah, um, you can get that if you go direct. You've got the whole frequency spectrum of that bass, and that's not what you want. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you just go through a sim before you start EQing it, you, it'll naturally carve out some of the stuff you don't want anyway. Yeah, totally. On a similar note, if you're tracking guitars for a project that you're going to mix, do you track with effects? into the track or do you put the effects in post kind of like all of these it really depends sure yeah yeah. blanket statement it's kind of uh it really depends on if it's really important to that part they're playing because sometimes you just need to be playing off that delay Mm -hmm. you know and there's that interplay of trying to get that that bounce to it um you know if it is a if it's a solo or something you know and it and it really makes sense around that part I, I say go for it. You know, you got a good guitar player, let them go nuts and then kind of listen to it back, kind of put it back in the mix where it might be and then you can ask them again, play it again, you know, with with a just dial back a little bit and then you have both, you know. Yep. Um, but usually, you know, if it's, if it if it makes sense with the part and, it, and it's changing the way you're playing the part, then I say by all means, bring it all on and we'll, right. we'll deal with it later, yeah. I don't, I don't have any hard, fast rules, but I do have some that I typically fall into patterns. Mm-hmm. Typically, I will record the delay, you know, into the into the track. Right. Whatever pedal I'm using, because that okay. typically has something to do with the part and the, and the way that you're playing it. I mean, part of playing guitar is being inspired by the tone. Yeah, totally. And the way that, especially delays, can kind of freak out a little bit sometimes is part of the sound you're going for. You can't always plan for that. And so I like to record the delay into it. The exception to that is you, if I'm going for a slapback sound, I'll typically do that afterwards. Cool. Because I can fine-tune it a little bit easier in that. And there's some nice ones. Oh, yeah, yeah, it just sounds better. You can do Echo a little boy. stereo thing. Yeah, Echo Boy, for sure. <laughs> um, on reverb, I'm 50-50. Some, depends on what I'm going for. If I'm going for a room reverb sound, I'll almost always do that in the box. Mm-hmm. Because it, it it's so track-specific. Right. And how the mix is turning out that I may want more or less, mm-hmm. and I don't want to be stuck with something. Plus, if you record a part with some room reverb on it, and then you want to do something else on top of it, it can sound really funny with the reverb going into something else. But then there's those other parts that are like those backbeat, chink, with that big old spring right. reverb. 
yeah, spring, bring it on. Spring reverb, I'll <laughs> typically record it into it. The other one I do, I have a um, Strymon Blue Sky, and so it has a, a modulated plate. And I don't, I, I'm not a huge chorus guy, but I'm getting more into it. <laughs> and But I still like it subtle, and I find that a modulated reverb is a much better way to get like a shimmery guitar than to actually just put a chorus on the part. And so I will record that usually because you can, it's, I mean, that sounds the best, it's the best sounding reverb I have. Yeah. Better than any of the plugins I have. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And and you can dial that into taste and you can get the part that's got just a little bit of shimmer. Or a little, I'm starting to get into where I like movement in my parts. I'm using modulated delays and modulated yeah. reverbs. And even if it's subtle, it just gives the part some dynamic activity. And at the back end, one thing someone taught me early on is like even on, sorry, it's a little off topic. That's fine. To jump in there, but um, putting like a very light tremolo on like heavy guitars, mm-hmm. it just helps move mm-hmm. even on, even like with your bus compressor or something, just gives it, instead of so static, you know, just the strumming, sometimes you don't even hear the strums. You just hear, mm-hmm. put a really, really shallow tremolo on it. Spread it out. Um yeah, just it just gives it some room to breathe every now and then, um, and or just putting that kind of modulation or some movement in your effects will do that same sort of thing. I've found a couple times where I can use a chorus as sort of a room reverb for a vocal. Mm. If you do it the right way, it gives it that space because there's the delay going on naturally with the chorus, right. but it doesn't sound like a slapback. Sometimes that can sound too Elvis or right. too Beatles. Yeah, and you're not going for something so obvious, but with the the weird slow or i mean quick delay of a of a chorus that doesn't have that like you said the transient that, yeah. inv- involved with it is a cool way to give it a little bit of space without it's usually well it's rounded out too with like mm-hmm. the frequency shift and pitch yep. shift or whatever yep it's, totally it's great cool. so here's a kind of off the wall one okay uh recording heavy screaming loud vocals okay. tips tricks i know a little bit about this because that's the only way my vocals sound good <laughs> I, can, I can get about halfway through one verse and then i'm done awesome um i typically will do two tracks and i find it better to when i'm personally singing it like that if you can almost do it in like a head voice one time like where you're imitating somebody screaming sure and then do it full out another time like actually loud volume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then for the head voice track, smash it with a compressor and then distort it and put it a little bit lower than the other one. It yeah. gives it some real beef and some nasty cool. I mean, because you're going for something nasty, right? Right. Um, now, that might not be the way I would record. Screams, kind of weird. So. Yeah, I, I would say that the that's not really talking about like metal screaming. Mm-hmm. It's more about like hard rock screaming. Dave Grohl. Yeah, if you're thinking about Dave Grohl or something like that. Now, I'm pretty sure he just screams full out but he double tracks everything, mm-hmm. and he's really, really good at it. Yeah, he's so he's close. Kinda, he's kind of got it. Yeah, if he, that's like the right amount of close to get. You yeah. want to get it to where you can kind of hear the double, but it's not super. It's more just thicker. Yeah, yeah, it's that. building up because it can't. You know, screaming in a room sounds insane. <laughs> you know, it's scary and cool, but <laughs> if you're doing that in front with a mic, it's just like an amp. It can get thin. Super. If, thin. if you're not moving a lot of air into it now, yep. also would say try a dynamic mic definitely it can be too articulate with a condenser mm-hmm. and you'll probably blow your ribbon up <laughs> yeah um re20 yeah. sm7 mm-hmm. uh, sm7 is like a classic yeah you know and 
And if you if you have an experienced vocalist that has a controlled scream, mm-hmm. you know, that isn't necessarily loud, it just sounds, you know, they got the perfect like mic cup and all that. And that's how it works live. Do it in the studio. Yeah. Like don't use headphones, crank up the speakers, cup the mic. And scream, yeah, you know, just sure. whatever you have to do to get it. Because again, you need that energy. It can it can sound thin. It can kind of be whatever. Um, also, I like to use multiple mics. Mm-hmm. You can. Uh, it's hard with phase sometimes. Sure, uh, especially if you're. You talking about recording multiple mics at the same time? Yeah. Oh, okay. So like putting up a fifty-eight and maybe your normal. Um, I actually really like that Mojave two hundred one FET. Okay. It's a good condenser that that works for it because it's not super bright. Okay, and uh, it's cool. got it's got some nice body. And putting those two together, you have to make sure they're phase aligned and don't touch them. Maybe tape them or something so they don't move. And Old uh, <laughs> yeah, you can you can um, affect one differently. Use the one for just like the air kind mm-hmm. of thing. Sometimes I'll roll off everything below like three k on that condenser. Uh, so that way you just have that, you know, yeah, yeah. just that sizzle and all that kind of stuff. And again, distort it or something. You can do that by just duplicating the track too. It just, it, it's different and it adds another layer if you're using multiple mics. But, you know, recording some screams is fun. So. Scream, for all, for sure. The the other way to do some of that stuff is like the strokesy kind of like yell thing that Julian Casablancas can do. Yeah. Where he's not really screaming. He sounds so awesome. But... I th- I think the way to do something like that I've had some luck with is if you can track through the distortion plugin you're going to use, mm-hmm. even if it's just a monitoring thing. Totally. If you can, because th- I don't think that he in a lot of times is actually yelling or screaming. I think he's mm-hmm. just interacting with the distortion or filter. It sounds like he's swallowing the mic. Yeah. And like well, not actually swallowing the mic, <laughs> just way up on it. Right. Singing into some distortion. Yeah, and he's got a way he can modulate his voice where it kind of sounds like he's breaking up but he's not and you can't do that if you're not singing into the filter the you other, play with it it's your breaths it's everything yeah. I, i've done some demos and stuff that i've built that are you know very stylized and all mm-hmm. that and i'll sing through decapitator and you are playing with distance and all that and you'll get <gasps> mm-hmm. pull off the mic and breathe and you get all those uh just super all cool. that stuff yeah. it's just fun one thing i did uh, i'll make sure you did for me um i doubled it and it was through an amp sim plugin with spring reverb, mm. like turned up. Yep. And it was just trashy and distorted, but mixed in with a more traditionally recorded vocal. Sounded really cool. Yeah. That's cool. I like doing that. On for just going down that place, uh, distorted vocal as like a lead thing. If you take a really short room really like put a put decapitator on okay. your vocal track right below that on the track a room a really small room about 85% wet okay so you just have that sound uh-huh. with a slap like a dirty slap okay. on the track again right mm-hmm. there in line at like you know in time 16th note yeah at like 20% wet coolest i've i've started i started using that i'll check it out that just awesome. like messing with it um it's just got such such a cool sound to me you can use that as a layer too you know and that way have like a clean th- lead vocal with that underneath it or just you know as a as a b section totally change up 
something. It's just it's just a fun little side note there. As a last bonus question, since we're talking about distortion, what besides vocals, guitars, and bass in a mix would you distort? Everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Uh, distorted bit, distorted strings mm-hmm. with like a, a dirty verb after it or something. Really cool sound. Distorted piano can sound great. Uh, I mean, distorted drums are too obvious. <laughs> distorted <laughs> drums. Uh, you know, sometimes I will use the decapitator instead of a drum bus compressor. I'll just use the decapitator and get it just a little crunch, dial back the mix until it feels like it's just knocking off the transients. And, you know, it's kind of like a parallel compression as opposed to, you know, compressing your drums um i was showing even on of, clean tracks sorry uh background vocals just dirty oh up some yeah, background yeah that's vocals a great on a clean you know the, like a mm-hmm. clean pop song but That'll just differentiated from yeah. The, yeah i Everything. was showing i was showing a demo of the devil oak the other day mm. and uh the the sound toys it, it's a compressor that it has crunch and compress or something like that. it's two yeah. knobs one is distortion one is compression right and then there's a mix knob and I had it pretty crunchy and pretty compressed, and I had the mix at like two, so it was barely in there. It sounded awesome. And I was showing how drastic it is when you take it up to ten, and I was like, "Yeah, you know what? I kind of like that." <laughs> <laughs> it was just on some it room is mics. drastic, and it sounds awesome. It sounded so good. I mean, it was like that when the levee breaks kind of yeah thing. It sounded so good. Yeah, distortions. It's awesome. Badass. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope everybody got something from this and had some topic in here that. Maybe give you yeah. a little something to try. We love getting questions. Absolutely. Because it's fun to just riff on them for a little bit. and So please keep them coming. That's, it, that's a, it's fun. All right. Until next time, please go to our Instagram page. Please go to our Facebook page. Please send us an email. Please rate us on iTunes. Do all the things that make us popular. Give us your attention <laughs> and your ratings. Thank, Thank you. you for listening. Yeah. Stay tuned.